with that said, uh, let's grab our Bibles if we have them. And as you're getting those out, I, I will say, I forgot to mention this, but um, if you've been giving, don't forget that your generosity made a lot of those projects possible. I mean, we've been saying it all month, but we have this giving goal of 215,000 bucks. And, and if you've been giving in the month of April, everything that you're, you're giving is going back out the door. Well, a lot of your giving paid for a lot of those projects. And so there's still today left and next Sunday left, a couple weeks of April left. So continue to be praying uh, about what God would want you to invest in that ministry and then come and give, okay? Because um, we can't do the things that we believe God's put on our heart without that. So thank you guys so much for being so faithful and generous. But again, if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. 1 Corinthians 12, we are in week three of a series on the Holy Spirit. And today we are talking about one of the most controversial topics surrounding the Spirit, that being spiritual gifts. Now, before we get into that, I need to make a confession and I need to ask for your forgiveness, all right? In my message last week, I lied to you. Uh, I told you that if you came back today, we were going to talk more in depth about the gift of tongues, which we looked at from Acts 2 last week. Well, we're not going to do that today at least, all right? Um, as I was writing this message this past week, I realized very quickly there is a lot more I need to teach than I have time for. And so what I've decided to do, and I really felt that the Holy Spirit was impressing upon me to do this, what I've decided to do is add an extra week into this series, and so what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to come back and, and it's going to be like spiritual gifts part two, all right? But, but we're going to come back together and we're going to talk in depth about the two spiritual gifts that tend to confuse most people. The gift of prophecy. You ever heard somebody say this? Uh, God told me to tell you. Well, what's that about? How do I know if it was really him or just, you know, them? Uh, we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk in depth about the gift of tongues, and so if you want to know about those gifts, you have to come back next Sunday and look at me. I promise I will teach on them, all right? I'm, I'm not lying today. But for today, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a broader sense. What gifts are, how they function, what purpose they serve. And then toward the end of the message, we're going to shift our attention to the category of what I would call sign gifts. These are gifts of tongues and miracles and healings and prophecy and wisdom and knowledge, those type of gifts. And we're going to ask one big question today. Are those gifts still operational? And can I just tell you lots of debate around that question. In fact, entire church denominations have been started as a result of the debate, the debate around that single question. And so what I hope to do today is be really helpful and to teach you what we believe as a church, the Bible teaches in regards to that question and, uh, and so I would say to you, if you're still new to Cross Point, trying to figure out whether or not this is your church, today's message might help a bit, all right? So with that said, let's grab them. Or, uh, if you're already, your Bible's are already open, excuse me, we're gonna dive in and we're gonna start reading in 1 Corinthians 12, verse one. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church located in the city of Corinth. This is in the southern part of Greece. And here's what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. We're gonna stop there and talk, okay? Uh, Paul launches into this chapter on spiritual gifts and he does so using this little phrase that appears six times throughout the book, now concerning. Uh, we know from 1 Corinthians 5 verse nine that this was not the first letter Paul wrote to this church. There was a letter that predated this letter. Uh, he says in that verse, in the letter I wrote to you, I told you not to associate with sexually immoral people. 
We have no record of that letter. So we don't know anything else that Paul wrote. All we know is that in response to his first letter, the church at Corinth wrote him a letter. And they apparently asked him a lot of questions. And so in this letter, the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul, six times throughout the book, is answering their questions using that phrase, now concerning. That's what he's doing here regarding spiritual gifts. We have no idea what they wanted to know. No idea what they asked. All we know about the Corinthian church is this. They were incredibly gifted by the Holy Spirit of God, yet they were misusing and abusing many of the gifts he had given them. Like when you keep reading the book of 1 Corinthians from chapters 12 through 14, he deals with spiritual gifts. And you see that in this church, people were elevating certain gifts above others. Uh, That in gatherings like the one we're in today, people were misusing very particular gifts like the gift of tongues. They were just using them to build themselves up rather than to build the church up. And so Paul writes and he says, hey, uh, about those spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed. Now, I want to tell you what I love so much about his response. I love that Paul doesn't say to these Christians, hey, you guys are really blowing this, so you need to shut it down. Like you guys are, are really misusing the gifts that the Holy Spirit's given you. And so what you need to do is just stop using them altogether. No, instead, when you keep reading, you find that Paul says the exact opposite, right? Chapter 12, verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Chapter 14, verse 1, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 1439, earnestly desire that you may prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Some of you didn't even know that verse was in your Bible, did you? We have to do something with that and and we're gonna do something with it next week, so be back. But here's what I love. Again, I, I just love the fact that his response is so different than the response I've seen in in many churches that constantly worry about certain gifts of the spirit being abused. I mean, I've been around churches that are so anxious about the misuse of gifts that instead of doing the hard work of informing people biblically of how to walk in those gifts, they just avoid the gifts altogether. And can I tell you, I pray that's never true here at Crosspoint. Uh, As I heard a pastor once say, the right response to abuse is never disuse, but proper use. Amen? Let me just say that again. The right response to abuse is never disuse, but proper use. My heart and prayer for our church is this. I pray that we would be a people completely open to whatever the Spirit of God wants to do in us and through us, regardless of how uncomfortable or unfamiliar it may be. But at the same time, I pray that we are a people so in love with this book that we're always willing to bring every area of our lives, including our use of spiritual gifts, under its authority. Amen? Now look, I know, and some of you know this as well from your own experiences, I know that there are people out there who don't think what I just described is possible. Like there are Christians who who legitimately believe that you cannot take the word of God and the spirit of God seriously at the same time. But you actually have to pick between the two, right? And so you got the spirit people over here who say, well, if if you take the word too seriously, you're gonna just be grumpy and stuffy and always feeling like you need to defend God and you're gonna quench his spirit. But then you got the word people who say, but if you take the things of the spirit too seriously, you're gonna fall into sensationalism and subjectivism and you're gonna compromise on the Bible. And can I just say to you today, I think those are ridiculous arguments. 
It is a false dichotomy that we as the people of God cannot buy into. Like why we would ever believe that by taking the word seriously, we'd quench the spirit. You guys do know the spirit inspired this, right? These are his words. Or by taking the things of the spirit seriously, we somehow undermine biblical authority. Like that belief is beyond me. It's not taught anywhere in the scriptures. Paul obviously didn't teach that. He didn't think this way. And what he writes to the Corinthian church proves it. He says, hey guys, uh, this Holy Spirit stuff, you're messing it up, but be about the things of the spirit. Uh, There are certain spiritual gifts that you are abusing, but please, please, please keep walking in the gifts. But you need to know, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And so what I wanna do is inform you on how to do this correctly. And then in verse four, he gets to informing. Look back at the text. He keeps writing and says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And watch how many times in these verses he says one spirit or the same spirit. When you see patterns like that in the Bible, you need to pay attention to them. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, in these verses, Paul is teaching here that the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each play a part in the, in the giving and the using of gifts. And to understand how all that works, we also have to understand some of the word choices Paul makes as he writes here, okay? So let me show you some of these words. In verse four, Paul uses this word gifts, which is the Greek word charisma. In its plural form, it's the word charismata. It's where we get our English word charismatic. Now, will you look up here at me? Do not get hung up on that word. I know some of you grew up in a church denomination like I did. And for you, there is a lot of baggage associated with that word. Uh, I grew up believing that a charismatic was someone who was overly emotional, didn't take the Bible seriously, all about experience. And at some point, they were going to do something really weird and strange and then blame it on the Spirit of God. That's what I thought. And so I was taught, you stay away from those people. Can I tell you, that's not what it means to be charismatic. That's charismania. That is unbiblical extremism. That's not what I'm talking about here, all right? To be charismatic means something entirely different. Do you know what this word means? It just means grace gift. That's it. Grace gift. In the Greek, the word for grace is charis. Some of you might know girls named that. That's what it means. When you add the ma onto the end, it just means grace gift. And there are certain points throughout the New Testament where this word is used of of different gifts that God gives his people. Romans 6.23 tells us that eternal life is a charisma, a grace gift from God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.11 tells us that the deliverance of death is a charisma or a grace gift. 1 Corinthians 7.7 says that for some people, celibacy is a charisma or a grace gift God gives them. And then obviously in our text, And again, in Romans chapter 12, verse six, Paul says that spiritual gifts, they are charismata or grace gifts. They are free gifts, don't miss this, free gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit that you didn't earn and you don't deserve. And so you know what that means? It means that if you know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, he has brought with him some gifts for you. And as a recipient of those gifts, guess what you are? You are a charismatic. 
I just blew up somebody's entire theological framework, didn't I? It's awesome. You're welcome. All right, let's keep going. In the next verse, verse five, Paul uses this word service, which is the Greek word diakonia. Uh, This is where we get our English word deacon. And this word simply uh, means ministry, okay? And so if charisma points us to the source of gifts, they are grace gifts given to us by the spirit of God. Diakonia points us to their purpose, right? The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts for the purpose of ministering to other people in ways that help them and honor Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And so I need you to know today, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you have a gift, you also have a responsibility. To have a gift is to have a ministry. Like all y'all know that, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just give guys like me, right? Spiritual gifts aren't reserved for pastors and paid professionals. There's not this divide in the church between laity and clergy. That is man-made stuff. When you study the Bible, right, Peter talks about the priesthood of all believers. If the spirit of God is in you, you are in full-time ministry, my friends. He's given you a gift, look, because he's got a job for you to do. The last word that Paul uses, and you find this in verse six, is this word activities. And it's the Greek word, uh, anergama. I always got to think about how to say that one. I get it wrong a lot. But anergama, this is where we get our English word. Can you guess it? Energy, right? And it simply means the thing that is produced. The thing that is produced. And so the idea is this, that God himself produces in us the power and energy we need to use our spiritual gifts in the service of others. Isn't that awesome? So look, you don't empower you. You don't muster up for yourself the energy you need to serve people using the gifts that the Holy Spirit's given you. That is something God does on your behalf. And so what I wanna do is bring this all together and and put a nice, neat little bow on it for us, right? Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that the source of our spiritual gifts is God, that the very acts of service and ministry that allow us to use our gifts, they're all from God, And that the energy and power we need to use those gifts comes from from God. Do you understand now why Paul calls spiritual gifts grace gifts? You see, without the grace of God at work in your life, number one, you wouldn't even have a gift. But if you did have a gift somehow, you'd have absolutely no way to use it. All the more reason for people like you and me to be humble about our gifts. Amen? Now listen, Paul goes on in the text, and I think you could have given me a better amen than that, but that's all right. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. But he goes on in verse seven to offer what I believe is the key phrase or the key statement of this passage. Here's what he says, and I'll just read it again. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, for the common good. Now, Paul is teaching two big truths here that we cannot miss. Number one, he's teaching that the way the Holy Spirit manifests himself through our lives is through our gifts. Let me just say that again. The way the Holy Spirit manifests himself through our lives is through our gifts. And so in other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't just like toss a gift down to you. Hey bro, here you go. Use it, use it well, good luck, and then check out. Uh, That's not what he does. No, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he himself gifts you in order to show himself through you. I love how Pastor uh, Sam Storms describes this. He's written a couple great books on the Holy Spirit that I would highly recommend you read. 
But look at this. This this will give some of you perspective. He says, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. No, spiritual uh, spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts, get this, must never be viewed deistically as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. And I love what he says in the final phrase, gifts are God going public among his people. How good is that? Isn't that awesome? So that's first. He, he manifests himself through us, through our gifts. The second thing Paul teaches is this, that the reason he manifests himself through us, through our gifts, it's for the common good. It's for the common good. So in other words, if the Holy Spirit gifts you, everyone else should benefit from it. Are you tracking here? Like the Holy Spirit doesn't gift you primarily for you. He gives you gifts because he wants to do something through you that, that helps and benefits other people. And I'll try to illustrate this for you, all right? Have any of you in the room ever re-gifted a gift? <laughs> Sinners, man, unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've done it too, all right? Look, several years ago for Christmas, uh, my wife and I, we got this awful, awful vase. Or if you're more formal, we got a vase, whatever. I don't know what you want to call it, but... But we got a vase, it was terrible, hideous. And so it was one of those moments where we opened the package and we're pretending to be excited. Oh, thank you so much. While thinking to ourselves, this will never be on display anywhere in our house ever. So we take this thing home and we shove it in a cabinet somewhere and it stayed there for a couple of years until we went to a Christmas party where we played the Dirty Santa game. You ever play this? Right? You, you bring a gift and you wrap it up and it can be a good gift or a gag gift and And everybody opens gifts and you can either keep yours or steal someone else's. And so we thought, what a great opportunity to get rid of this awful vase. And we wrap it up, we take it. And here's what was crazy. The person who got it loved it. They thought it was the most beautiful vase ever. And so we stopped being friends with them in that moment and just started praying for them. (laughs) Now listen, here's my point. And, And you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Here's the point. The only gifts that ever get re-gifted are terrible gifts, right? Like the reason you give a gift like that away is because you don't want it. But nobody ever gives away awesome gifts. I mean, when's the last time you opened that box on Christmas or on your birthday and you went, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I wanted. Who can I give this away to? (laughs) Never, it doesn't happen. Yet Paul's teaching here when it comes to our spiritual gifts, that's exactly what we should do. Here's the point he's making. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. He wants us to know that spiritual gifts are meant to be regifted. That spiritual gifts are meant to be regifted. The Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you wants to manifest himself through you in powerful ways. So what does he do? He gives you some gifts. And and they're not awful gifts. They're amazing gifts, supernatural gifts, incredible gifts but they're not just for you. What he does is gives you these gifts so that you can give them away 
for the good and benefit of others. But here's the really great news about this, and, and please don't miss it, because some of you, I know you're asking, was well, there anything in it for me? Yeah. Do you know that when you give your gifts away for the sake of other people, God actually uses that to change your life? Man, I experience it every single week when I get up here and preach. Uh, I know some people, and some of you have said this to me, some people feel sorry for me that I gotta preach four times every Sunday. And I will say, there are a lot of Sundays where I go home beat and exhausted, but I cannot imagine doing anything else with my life because God uses this, what I'm doing right now, every week in my life to encourage me, to breathe life into me. He energizes me through this. And he uses my gift of preaching to change my life and to grow me more into the image of Jesus Christ. And look, when you give away your gifts, the Holy Spirit of God does the same for you. Spiritual gifts are meant to be regifted. Now, with all that said, what I wanna do is shift our focus and attention to that category of sign gifts that I mentioned earlier. Again, these are those gifts that still today foster much debate among Christians And it's really convenient um, for us because that's where Paul goes next in the text, all right? Look at it with me. Verse eight, he goes on and, and he says, for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. Again, here it is again, same one, right? Pay attention to that. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healings. Uh, I don't know why translations of the Bible leave the S off of that. When you study this phrase in the Greek, it's actually plural, healings, not healing. So if you want to write an S in your Bible, you just go ahead and do that. For some reason, it's translated wrongly. But the gifts of healings by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, as I said earlier, there's just one big question that I wanna answer around these gifts, and it's this. I wanna ask an answer. Are these gifts still for today? That's the question. Um, Does the Holy Spirit of God still at times give people words of knowledge? Like, can he show you something about another person that you couldn't have known or wouldn't have known unless he showed it to you? Does he still give people prophetic words, these spontaneous divine revelations that you are called to speak in that moment for the encouragement and edification of other people? Does the Holy Spirit still use people to perform healings and miracles? Uh, Does he give people the opportunity and the ability to recognize that's an evil spirit at work? That's the Holy Spirit at work. Does he empower people to speak in different languages at different times and other people the ability to interpret those languages? That's the question. And if you're wrestling with that, I hope what we're about to get into really helps you. But here's what you need to know. The answer to that question, it all depends on who you ask. It depends. Uh, There are two primary camps that fall on either side of this debate. And so I want to spend the next few moments of our time talking about these with you, okay? Uh, The first camp is what's known as cessationism. And people who fall into this camp are known as cessationists. Cessationists believe that these sign gifts, these more supernatural gifts, that they only functioned in the early church. And when the apostles died, all these gifts died with them. And so the cessationists would say, no, these gifts are not for today. Uh, They no longer function. They should not be used. They should not be pursued. Now, like some of you in the room, 
I grew up in a cessationist church. And for a long time, I bought into this view. And, and can I just say, I'm fully aware that some of you in the room may buy into this view. And, and that's okay. Um, we love you. And, and man, we still want you to be a part of this church. I would just push you. Study this. Pray about this. Consider this, all right? Uh, but, but I used to be here. And, and what I want to do over the next few moments is, is just teach you what I was taught so that you can understand what many cessationists base their belief on biblically, okay? It's a passage from 1 Corinthians 13. You guys know that famous love chapter, right? Did you know that it appears in your Bible in the context of spiritual gifts? It's, it's about love, but it's also about spiritual gifts. So go read it and think about that. But here's what Paul says. He says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What's Paul saying here? He's saying there is coming a day where all those sign gifts will be no more. They will cease to function. When will that be? When the perfect comes. And so the question is, well, what's the perfect? What's the perfect? Well, the cessationist that I grew up around, that I learned from, said that the perfect is This book, the completed word of God. Now, please hear me. You guys know I'm a Bible guy. I love the word of God. I believe this book is living, is active, is inerrant, is sufficient, is powerful, that it cuts down into people's lives and reveals who they are and who God is and what he wants to do in them and through them. So again, I'm I'm a Bible guy. I just don't think Paul was talking about the Bible here. Um, a, A lot of cessationists do. The problem I have with the argument that Paul's talking about the Bible is what he goes on to say in verse 12. This is where I really started to wrestle when my view changed. He says, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Listen, most Bible scholars agree that what Paul's talking about here is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus Christ comes and that we see him face to face, that all those gifts are going to pass away. So again, hear me. The perfect is not the Bible. The perfect is who? Jesus. And when we see him face to face on that day when he comes back and he takes us home as his people, his bride, nobody's going to need to be healed. Nobody's going to need a miracle. Nobody's going to need a a divine revelation or a word of wisdom, right? Why? Because Jesus will be with us and everything will be working as God intended it to be. That's cessationism. Now, the other camp is what's known as continuationism. Continuationism. And, And people who believe in continuationism are called continuationists. Or here's that big scary word again from earlier, charismatics. And I want to tell you, I, I use this word and here's why. Because I think this word has been hijacked and I want to reclaim it and redeem it. I'm tired of people thinking that it's something that it's not. And so I want to use this word and, and help us to understand what it actually means. Here's what charismatics believe. Uh, we believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today. They are alive. They are well. They are functioning. But here's the key. Please don't miss this. But when the Holy Spirit uses those gifts in his people... He always does so in accordance with the scriptures. That's the key, right? And so again, this is where I fall theologically. Uh, This is where our church falls theologically. 
And I fall here for two big reasons. Number one, and, and I want to say it a specific way so you can hear me. Uh, I fall here because I'm a guy that takes the Bible very seriously. Right? You'll hear people at times say, oh, those charismatic, they don't take the Bible seriously. No, I, I believe that the gifts are still alive and well because I take the Bible seriously. Because nowhere in the scriptures does it teach that these gifts are dead and gone. And as I said a moment ago, I see in my Bible that it teaches something much differently. We're gonna see more of that next week when we talk about tongues and prophecy. So again, be back for that. But I also fall here due to my own personal experiences with these supernatural gifts. And please hear me, uh, what I'm not doing right now, I am not holding up my experience as equal with the scriptures. It's not what I'm doing. Okay, experience always has to live under the authority of the Bible. And if your experience doesn't line up with the scriptures, guess what? That ain't the Holy Spirit of God at work in your life. That's some other spirit at work in your life. So it's not what I'm doing. All I'm trying to say is, it became hard for me to keep denying that these supernatural gifts were still in function today, operational today, when I kept seeing them and, and, and I kept experiencing them in ways that lined up perfectly with the scriptures. And I wanna give you a few examples. Okay, years ago, and I always get emotional when I share this story, so forgive me if that happens, but years ago, uh, my wife, we were just, man, right at the beginning of our marriage, she started having these really bad headaches, uh, they were so bad that a lot of days she couldn't even get off the couch, couldn't make it to work. And so she went and saw a neurologist. They did an MRI. And I'll never forget, I was at work one day and my wife called me. It was the day that she went to her appointment and she tells me, uh, James, they found a mass on the front of my brain. I'm sitting there going, what? Like, we just got married? Like, how can this be happening and so a short time after that, uh, we called together the elders from the church we were attending at the time. And uh, I, I gotta be honest, it was hard for me to even take that step because again, I grew up in that church and said, oh, God doesn't do what he used to do. Holy Spirit doesn't work like he, he did back then. But I'm going, this is my wife. We gotta try something. And so in accordance with James 5, called together the elders of our church and they anointed my wife they laid hands on her and they prayed over her. And it wasn't one of those lame prayers, you know, of like, oh, well, God, we think you can. And so if you want to, well, these men prayed in faith. God, heal her. Remove this mass from her body. And we left. And a short time later, all of her symptoms disappeared. And she went back to the doctor and got a second scan. And that mass on the front of her brain was gone. And so what happened God, the Holy Spirit, moved through godly men and he healed my wife. The great physician has not closed up shop, my friends. God still heals today, amen? I believe that. I'll give you another one. Um, I was in New York City several years ago and I went to this church there called Brooklyn Tabernacle. Some of you might know about this church. It's just unbelievable what God has done through those people there and in all the years they've existed. But I went to this Sunday worship gathering like we're in today and they got this killer choir. And so we're up there singing all this unbelievable gospel music. They're just throwing down and it was awesome. And, and so after the choir's done, we sit down and, and this guy gets up who was one of their elders who, check this out, used to be a homeless heroin addict. You got some holding you in bondage today? God can set you free from that thing. 
This guy gets homeless heroin addict, now serving as an elder in this unbelievable church. And he shares his testimony of what God did to change his life. And right after he was done, someone stood up and spoke in this language I had never heard before. And they sat down and then somebody else stood up and interpreted what had just been said and sat down. And then the pastor stood up and just preached like nothing had happened. It wasn't chaotic. It, it wasn't disorderly. And in that moment, I kid you not, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I, I thought that wasn't supposed to happen anymore. But that sure does look like what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, one more. Um, and this one kind of sealed the deal for me, okay? Some of you have heard this story. But several years ago, I was on a mission trip in Peru with a group of teenagers at the church where I served as a student pastor at the time. And we did this big outreach event on this public square one night. I got up, I preached the gospel. There are hundreds of people there and all these people respond like they wanna give their lives to Jesus. It was amazing. The problem was we ran out of translators. So I'm trying to like shuffle people around. Okay, you go here, you go here, go with this translator, talk to that person. And in the midst of all the chaos, this high school senior, this girl from this Baptist church in Atlanta, Georgia, she walks up to me, looks like she has seen a ghost, and she says, James, I just led a guy to Christ speaking fluent Spanish, and I don't know how to speak fluent Spanish. And I said, that's awesome. Keep talking to people, right? (laughs) But again, in that moment, I'm thinking, uh, I didn't think that kind of stuff was supposed to happen, but that sure looks like what I read about in Acts chapter two. Like I could give you other examples. I got stories all day of how I've seen the spirit of God move in my life and in the lives of other people. But my point again is this, I am convinced biblically and I am convinced from my own personal experiences that these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are still alive and well today. But at the same time, I do believe that there is a difference in how these gifts function versus how other gifts function. And this is really gonna help some of you, all right? I believe some of you are about to have an aha moment. So just lean in and listen, if you will, okay? Uh, It appears when you study the scriptures that a lot of the gifts that would fall into the speaking or serving categories, leadership, administration, mercy, hospitality, right? List goes on and on that those are more permanent gifts that you can walk in at will at any time. So again, for me, James, preach a message. All right, give me my Bible, let's go. Right, that gift's in my back pocket. You have gifts like that. These other gifts, the supernatural gifts, these sign gifts appear to be more circumstantial or occasional in nature. I believe that's what Paul means when he writes in verse 11 that the Holy Spirit apportions those type of gifts as he will, wills, meaning, all right, there's something the spirit of God wants to do supernaturally in the life of a person. So what does he do? He gifts one of his people in that particular moment and he moves through them in a divine way and allows them to do something they cannot do on their own. Why? For the sake of that other person that he wants to minister to. Does this make sense? And so let me break it down and make it more practical. That means that if you've ever prophesied over someone, Hey, I feel like I'm supposed to share this. Uh, If God's given you a word of knowledge, if you've prayed for someone and they've been healed, it doesn't mean you can go around doing that stuff anytime you want, right? Those kind of gifts don't live in your back pocket. But at the same time, listen to me, it also means that if you've never experienced those supernatural gifts, they're not off limits to you. (laughs) 
there very well may come a time in your life when the Holy Spirit of God says, you know what, I'm about to touch you and I'm gonna use you in a supernatural way to do something in the life of a person that I love and wanna change. And so we gotta be really careful about throwing around this statement. Oh, it's not my gift. It's not my gift. Oh, I'm not gifted in that. It's not my gift. The Holy Spirit of God can give you any gift he wants to give you at any time based on what he wants to do in the life of another person. Now, with all that said, I wanna say one last thing before we close, and it's really important, so don't check out on me, all right? We're about to be done. Just stay with me another couple minutes. I wanna say to you, when it comes to these gifts that we're talking about, these sign gifts, please, listen, please, do not chase after those gifts just to chase after those gifts. Don't. Be open to those gifts. Welcome those gifts. As Paul says, earnestly desire those gifts but do not make it about the gifts. I've seen way too many people get in trouble theologically and practically because they became obsessed with chasing the gifts of the Holy Spirit without chasing the Spirit of God himself. Can I encourage you to do this? Look, make your life about this. Chase Jesus each day. Run after him. Chase after people that he loves, that he wants to save, people that need help figuring out what it even looks like to follow him. And then as you do those things, walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God and make your prayer this. Holy Spirit, if there is something that I need and don't have, (laughs) if there's a gift you wanna give me so that I can better serve people and make much of Jesus, Holy Spirit, give me that gift. Oh, give me that gift. Now, I know for some of you that scares you to death, right? That prayer. Because some of you, um, when you think about certain gifts, you are completely weirded out. And you go, okay, well, uh, there's some that I'd receive, but I don't know if I want some of them other ones. Like some of the ones we talked about today, right? The Holy Spirit shows up in my life. He better behave himself. Like, I don't want some of that. Can I just say to you, look, can I just say to you, and this is important, I have felt impressed all week long in preparation that I needed to make this statement at some point today for somebody. Look at me. Every gift of the Holy Spirit is a good gift. All he has for you are good things. And so regardless of of how a certain gift makes you feel or what you might think about it, that gift is still a good gift. Why? Because it comes from God himself. And so again, I wanna say to you, if you'll just live there, I'm gonna make my entire life about running after Jesus, serving people, walking in step with the Spirit, and I'm gonna open myself up to whatever the Spirit wants to give me so that he can manifest himself through me. Listen, you may very well experience some of those supernatural gifts. You may not, and that's okay. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do with or without you. So you may not, but if you do, listen to me, don't you dare misuse or abuse them. You practice those gifts as the scripture prescribes. And don't you dare dream of taking credit. That is not you at work. That is the Holy Spirit of God at work through you. All honor, all glory, all praise belongs to him. And all the people of God said, amen. Amen. Why don't we pray together right now? Just heads bowed, eyes closed all around the room. And I wanna stretch you in this moment if I can. Um, We ask you to do this from time to time and I'm gonna ask you to do it now. If you feel comfortable with this, would you just kind of open your hands up in front of you? And I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Right now, why don't you just say to the Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your gifts. 
And Holy Spirit, help me to believe that every gift you have for me is a good gift. Spirit of God, remove fears that exist in me, hesitations that exist in me. Holy Spirit, if there's something that I don't have but I need, something that's gonna help me honor Jesus and serve people, then Holy Spirit, would you give that to me? Just give it to me. I'm open to whatever you wanna do in and through my life. Father, we love you so much. And we are grateful today to know that, that you love us enough to give us everything we need to do what you've called us to do. And so God, my prayer over us is that we would be a people wide open to whatever you wanna do in and through our lives for the sake of your glory, for the good of other people who desperately need to know what it means to walk in relationship with your son. So we lay our lives before you, they are yours. God, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen.